0: Everybody, welcome to this episode of Inside Insights, a podcast powered by zappy and the proud winners of the 2022 MR Podcast of the Year award. I'm joined, as always, by Patricia and Kelsey. My name is Ryan. What's up, everybody? How you doing?
1: Doing good. How about you?
0: I'm good. It's a beautiful day to be alive here. It was in the 90s yesterday, and today's oh, back wow. down to reality for May. So it's like high 70s. You know, nice. summertime. Air conditioned, a little bit, barbecue tonight, swimming in the pool. Looking you know, at the it's
1: actually in the 70s here today, too, which is unusual for me. It's cool. We were in the pool last night. My husband and I, it was great. Yesterday afternoon, the whole weekend was beautiful. So oh, it was good. nice. Yes, it was very uh, nice.
0: Weekends. Summertime is, is almost here. I can feel it. My, it's funny. Now I have a, a son who's in kindergarten, so I'm now starting to get the, like, dad, summer vacation's almost here vibes. And I actually quite enjoy that because it makes me feel like summer vacation's here. Little does he know, dad's still got to work in the summer, but that's all right. Whatever. You know,
1: four day weekends in the summer is a good idea. You know, yeah. I, I, I know the CEO and the president of the company you work at. It could, yeah. could be oh, done.
0: It could be done. Unlimited vacation is a thing. Um, I was just, I uh, just took a day off to go to Ireland a couple of weeks ago, which I'm looking forward to, but I had the 4th of July week off. I don't work two weeks a year. I don't work 4th of July week and I don't work the week of Christmas. Even though I'm not a religious man, I just take that week off. And um, I'm very, very excited. We're going to Cape Cod with the kids.
1: Nice. How about you,
0: ladies? Summer vacations. Go. Where are we going? Kelsey, you go first. Where are you going this summer?
1: So every summer, my family rents a beach house in Narragansett, Rhode Island.
0: Nice. So we're
1: going home and just it's a great just week to unplug, be with family. So I have a younger brother, so he goes too. So we all just hang out, go to the Tunic Oyster Bar. Um, and it's just, it's just a great time. Uh, if,
0: you've, if you're if you listening and you've never visited the Rhode Island shore in the summer, I'm not biased because I have a 401 number. Um, I'm biased because I've spent a lot of time there and the Rhode Island coast is wonderful. And Matunic Oyster Bar, I would argue has the best oysters on the planet. Um, and the guy, Perry, who owns it, walks around in his boots that he farms in and wishes you well while he serves you a $13 cocktail. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's really a wonderful awesome. place. Patricia what about you what's your summer looking like
1: I got two summers my son is here for the month of like from now to like mid-june july we're going to be together like this the three of us only my husband my son and i and we're planning a nice long like in-country road trip or maybe peru or in in region co- road trip let's just call it so he's planning with his dad and i'm all along for the ride and i'm looking forward to that and then the second half of the summer the girls are coming
0: so oh, cool. alex and her
1: boyfriend are coming and isa and maybe her boyfriend are coming so the second half of the summer is going to be all about full house which is really exciting
0: That's nice. Must be nice to get the whole, the whole band back together. It is
1: always nice. Always nice. Even when part of the band is together, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So uh, we have three episodes left for season four. Um, This episode and our next episode are actually episodes that we shot in Austin, Texas for the IIEX conference. So they happened a long time ago Um, and uh, as a bit of an experiment for us, I have to tell you, it was uh, a unique experience because We're about to go into the interview, and I was sitting in a chair facing my guest today, Michelle Gansley, and my next guest, Shazi Ali, but there was an audience to our left, and so it made for quite interesting podcasting because the truth is I normally meet with smart people, and I meet with them on Zoom, and we vibe, and the doors are closed, and there's nobody else around, and so it brings a different type of psychological safety than having people with headphones look at you. I like to grow and learn. So I was out of my comfort zone. If, if I sound awkward or rambly, it's because I was awkward and rambly. Um, but Michelle Gansley, um, is uh, somebody who I've been waiting to have on the podcast because, um, she's, she's obviously been out. She speaks a lot, but the truth about Michelle Gansley is she's one of my closest friends. Uh, she's somebody who I've innovated with, collaborated with many, many, many times in my career. She's a person who uh, I consider a mentor. I ask her, um, Like, you know, we do business together and I ask her things that you wouldn't normally ask a customer. Um, I don't make big decisions without getting Michelle's opinion. She has such a wonderfully uh, adaptable yet objective way of looking at things. She sees the world from everybody's perspective. Um, And, um, you know, not to overly gush about her, but I'm just so happy for her. She's always wanted to be kind of the top chief in insights and to get that opportunity at McDonald's, one of the most incredible businesses, best brands on the planet, um, uh, I'm just so happy for her. And as I expected, she's kicking ass and she's taking names and she's bringing what already is a very customer centric organization to the next level. Um, and I'm just happy to be a small part of it. So, uh, we talk about a lot of things. The premise of our conversation was to talk about where we find inspiration. I'm not going to lie to you. There's a few rants. There's a few raves. There's a few ideas. There's a few books recos. uh, it. it I would like to invite you all to join Michelle and I for a glass of wine because that's what this interview is. Shall we, ladies? Let's do it. Hi, everybody. Um, Ryan Barry here. I'm joined by Michelle Gansley, one of my favorite people in market research. I would say top one or two people in this industry. Now, Michelle, you have to guess who the other top or person is. in has. the world. In the world, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, this is a live rendition of the Inside Insights podcast. It's powered by Zappy. We are on season four. You can get it everywhere where podcasts are. You should get it because it's great, particularly if you're a Corporate Insights person, because we interview great people like Michelle and give you insights. Michelle and I are live in Austin, Texas. We're in between two barbecue meals in a row. <laughs> uh, I'm on a mission to eat the best brisket in Texas. And we're not gonna talk about market research much because we happen to be at a market research conference and. Uh, I'm sick of uh, thinly veiled sales pitches. We're just going to keep it real today, Michelle. Yeah. What do you think? That's what's so fun about talking to you. We just
2: talk about fun topics. Fun topics. So where should fun we start? Topics.
0: We're gonna. I think you know what I want to start with. Um, I want you to tell a funny story of how you met me, and I'm going to reciprocate. And it, I want you to try <laughs> to embarrass me in this chair.
2: Uh, well, I might embarrass your predecessor. Uh, so how? Oh I, wow! I you know. know where this I don't mean to, but how we first met you is when you Zappy was uh, just a baby, baby company. That's Right. They, your predecessor pitched to me, and I was really into the idea of what Zappy was about. I was like, "Let's try to find a pilot together." And we worked on the, like the worst possible case use case of Zappy ever of all time. So and he was so determined to make it work that he just it didn't work. Made something up for me. So
0: there's a lesson here for those of you who are starting businesses: don't sell a solution that's not yours.
2: <laughs> that's not as what the first, first experience. Did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's how I met you, and I remember my first phone call to you eight years ago being. Hey, what you got sold isn't actually anything to do with Zappy, <laughs> but let's make it work. You know? <laughs> we'll make it work. Um, we've had the pleasure of innovating a lot together, building solutions, having a lot of fun. We've uh, done chicken shit bingo together.
2: Yeah, And you um, won.
0: And I won. Can you tell the audience what chicken shit bingo is? Because it's really important that people know what this is.
2: It is unfortunate for people listening because it only happens on Sunday. So we're staying through the weekend in Austin, Texas at the Little Longhorn Saloon. At from four to eight p m you go you buy a ticket it 's got a number on it if that chicken poops on that number, you win one hundred and ten dollars
0: and I won I got to go on stage with a beautiful country singer and she was very nice to me um, so Austin Texas great place backdrop of our conversation. What we want to impart on everybody today stuff that 's got our attention, where we get our energy from how we 're learning those are some of the things you can expect in the next twenty five minutes or so so what are you passionate about right now? What's got your attention? Yeah.
2: You know what gets me excited? A couple of things. Like one, culture. I've always been interested in people, cultural experiences. And so I've traveled to something like 61 countries in my life, and I'm trying to get to 100 before wow. I die. So that's something that I'm always excited about, learning from people, learning from cultures, um, and then learning new music. So if you have any new, I think we, you were just giving me a new band recommendation yesterday, but I'm always wanting to hear about new music recommendations.
0: So I get new music re- recommendations from friends, and they always send me Spotify links where yeah. Apple Music, and so it never yeah. works. Which oh,
2: really is you it's need kind you of annoying. Spotify train. Anybody who's here
0: you? in Austin who has music recommendations, text us, please, way. yeah, we yeah. need them. What about um, you?
2: What are you excited about right so, now?
0: What's got my attention right now, um, I'm also excited about culture. I'm at an interesting place of of zappy where we're we're at a place of a certain size where we have to balance sort of the essence of things, but also bring in different muscles that we didn't have. And mm. for me, kind of balancing those is quite intellectually stimulating and difficult. Um, and then also on culture, I just came back from a week in Africa, as you know, yeah. and it was extremely insightful. Just how beautiful um it is there but also how unique and how different some of their problems are so we talk in this industry a lot about de and i but couldn't be more different problems in the united states where Mm -hmm. i'm of the opinion we just don't have enough diversity in this industry period great and in africa where like in south africa they didn't actually educate black people until 18 years ago Mm -hmm. yeah talking about like completely different problems and yet we sort of bucket these things in the same basis so that's something that's got my attention um and we I, do a lot, but are we actually doing enough is the thing that's kind of got me yeah. a little pissed off today. But I
2: love that, like, first of all, five years ago, we weren't even talking about DEI. It's the great point. that we're talking about it now, but to your point, we can't talk about it as a one-size-fits-all thing. We need to talk about it country by country,
0: market by market, yes. industry by industry. And also, like, our industry is, like, quite um, insular in a lot of ways. but. How much diversity are you going to get when you need somebody with 20 years' experience who knows consumer insights and is, you know, it's like, I think we got to start to break some of these rules of like, I mean, I'll, I'll say something provocative. I don't give a shit if somebody has a college degree. Yeah, I agree. Does it matter really? Like, I don't know. They, to me, it's like, do they have a capacity to learn and grow? And cool, like we can yeah. teach you the the market research language. Um, yeah, I've started now uh, forbidding
2: must have an MBA as a criteria Did on you? any of our applicants. Yeah, we don't put that anymore on any of the insights roles we have. And been. that
0: must have been a big change for McDonald's because that was always like a big part of it, right? Is it like Northwestern is a feeder school and the whole thing.
2: It's pretty standard in a lot of corporations, it is, right? Yeah. Like first two things are must have an MBA, must have X amount of years of experience, but how do you ever break into insights? Like
0: no wonder we have a diversity problem. Right. Right, you look at any of the job specs, must yeah. have XXXXX and it's like you know, and I think a lot of businesses are like do we can we afford to do the training, um, but I also think unless we bring in new talent, it, let alone it's the right thing uh, to do, like new thinking is important. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a new head of sales this week, Glenn, who's in the audience. Hi, he Glenn. Is. He knows nothing about market research, but he knows a ton about growing business, and that's a wonderfully insightful element for us to bring yeah. into the company. You know, um, brings probably like fresh, fresh ideas. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like in, now, the challenge is when you bring in no fresh pressure, ideas, Glenn. Yeah, no pressure, Glenn. Um, but when you bring in fresh thinking, you have to listen to it. Yeah, true. So, th- And that's quite difficult. So, all right, so what are some, what are some things that, uh, that you go to to get inspired? So for those of you who are listening, Michelle has a really intense job, global head of insights at McDonald's. Uh, you might recognize McDonald's. How many trillion burgers have been sold? <laughs> well, we serve 60 million people a day, so probably more than 60 million burgers. F- is it 55% of the U.S. population has eaten at McDonald's in the last week? Uh, that's about right. Yeah, about right, and eighty-six percent in the last year. So this is your first time in the top chair in an insights role. Yep. Um, as a friend of yours, so happy for you. Thank you. Um, what are some of the things that like you've had to figure out, right? Like, so you've been in similar roles, but like, what have been some of the harder things for you to figure out?
2: Um, well, that's two different questions, but I'm gonna try to answer them both and then ask you a question. Uh, like you what do I get inspired by? I love getting inspired by lateral thinking so like going to conferences that are exactly in the world I am or reading books. I talked earlier about upstream, this book by Dan Heath, which yeah, I haven't read it yet. It's I'm good. incessantly talking about because it's one of the last books in a long time that I'm always constantly thinking about. Um, which is about, like, let's stop solving problems, and let's start stopping problems before they become a problem. What a genius idea. Yeah. Um, podcasts. I love listening to podcasts. Favorite podcast. Oh, Insights. That's
0: bullshit. You just said that because it's me. you were sitting here.
2: Future Imagine by Joe <laughs> LaPare.
0: Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh,
2: but also, Pop Culture Happy Hour as an insights person. NPR puts on one called Pop Culture Happy Hour, and they just talk about pop culture.
0: Oh, how cool. We should
2: all be listening to that because if we don't understand pop culture, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah, check it out. Really I good. will check
0: it out. Uh, what are you listening to? So I'm not much of a podcast person, even though I host one. which is kind of weird. <laughs> I,
2: um,
0: but I like to listen to. So I'm, I like kind of punchy content. Um, I like I like to read books, as you know. I read a lot of books. Yeah. Um, and so I want to build on something you said about like going to the different to lateral places for inspiration. Because a lot of other industries have figured out some of the problems we've got. So we'll talk a little bit about mm-hmm. insights and where it's going. If you look at the SaaS industry, they spent all this time figuring out customer success and sales and how to grow businesses. Technology took over that industry and they realized they needed people to enable the technology. Look familiar? (laughs) Yeah, we still have this, this, we talk out of both sides of our mouth, right? Like elevate your game, synthesize data, tell a story, figure out how to drive tech. um, that's an adjacent insight for me. It's like, oh wait, I have a RevOps team. I wonder why my customers don't have an insights ops team as an example. Um, the other, the other um, source of inspiration, I like to read a lot of older books. Like I, I'm learning a lot from some of Warren Buffett's thinking. He does oh, this, he has this concept of, of like, it's essentially a premortem. Yeah. So you have this idea. And if you invert every single thing that could go wrong before you start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. First of all, really cathartic, but it also can help you like, oh, there's going to be a pothole over here based on the collective wisdom of this diverse group. And so we can kind of get around it. Um, I also get a lot of inspiration just from talking to strangers, which is super yeah. weird. Like I love to travel yeah. and just ask people totally. questions. Like when I was in South Africa, I was telling you this this morning, we have this guy that works for Zappi. He's from Kenya and just like his life story
2: was mm-hmm. like
0: fascinating. And, uh, so th- those are some of the places I go. Um, so yeah, it's good the power of a question. It's a good question. So coaching and mentorship, something mm-hmm. we both wanted to talk about. What's the difference to you and where do you go to get those? Uh, do you have a coach? Do you have a mentor? And how does that work in your life?
2: Yeah. Um, I think coaching and mentorship is different. Normally Agreed. coaches are sort of a more generalist to help you with whatever problems are coming your way and it's normally a, a lengthy relationship whereas for me in the past the best mentors are ones that are mentoring me on a specific topic or skill set. And I think that's where we normally go wrong, especially as a female, a lot of times younger females will come to me wanting mentorship, but they're not really clear what they want to be mentored on. They just see like, I want to be where you are someday versus, well, what, you know, what are you working on? And they have a hard time answering that. So I'm a big fan of, you should have a mentor when you're clear what you want to work on and you're clear that they can help support you on that.
0: Yeah. It makes sense. I've had that happen a lot. and you coach me and my first question is, what are you trying to do? Yeah. I would say it's kind of sad to say this, but sixty percent of people go. I'm not really sure, and so it's like, go figure that out. Yeah, go figure out and write that down on a piece of paper, and then we can talk.
2: Yeah, because I'm I'm not not the right person. Yeah, you might not be. Help you figure out who the right person is.
0: Exactly. I would say they're different things. Um, I've had a coach for three years. It's, to me, a coach is more closely aligned to being to a therapist. Yeah, than a mentor. oh yeah, business therapist it's, for sure. It's it's wonderfully cathartic, and so whether you can get your company to pay for one or you're gonna do yeah, it, yeah, totally. I couldn't recommend it more because it really helps you vocalize what you're thinking without judgment. And that's you know you think about it. If you get into an argument with Morgan or somebody senior or somebody that's on mm-hmm. your team, you have to negotiate a conclusion. Whereas with a coach, you can be like, yeah, I hear, my coach's name is Nora. I hear you, Nora. But I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's like it's it's really yeah. quite useful. But I think where a lot of people go wrong with coaching is they don't put in the work. Yeah. Right. Sure. You have to say these are my goals yeah, and you these have are the to things I'm gonna to, do. Yeah.
2: Well, but a good coach will keep you accountable and help you to get the work done. So I also have a coach, and she's great. Um, and I think similar, also a difference between a coach, you pay a coach. A mentor is normally free, but yeah. um, because you're paying the coach and they're paid to help keep you accountable. I think that's a different level of. Yeah, Help.
0: They're, they're vested,
2: right? Yeah. they want references. Yeah. And, and you're vested because you... You paid. Right. And, you're and a good coach is gonna and... cost
0: you some, yeah. some, some, some decent change. Yeah. And so mentorship's interesting because I get a lot of mentors, mentors that I don't actually know because of things like podcasts and LinkedIn posts and everything where like these, these people that you admire and you can learn from them from afar and sometimes work up the courage to like, to your point, have a specific yeah. ask in exchange for some value you think you can bring them. So um, like virtual mentors, Mark Ritson would be one, who, yeah. right, who's like one of my idols as it relates to marketing. Um, had the chance to meet him with you recently, yeah. and I tried not to fanboy too hard. <laughs> uh, but he's a legend, you know? Yeah. So um, the interesting thing about coaching, which I wanted to get your perspective on is, we talk in, in say the 90s, maybe the 2000s, about managers. And increasingly to me, the job of a manager is to be more of a coach. Like you're not supposed to, we're not bossing around smart people, right? And so how do you handle that in a big organization? Like do you, first of all, do you even agree? Like do you think I'm full of shit?
2: Uh, Have you heard of situational leadership? Mm -hmm. It's like a framework on that people often think that, that depending on like they're a smart person, they just need to be coached, but actually every human being, depending on what the task is you're asking to do, needs a different level of coaching. Good point. Like if they're brand new and they've never done what they're doing before, you just need to tell them what to do. Like, Glenn's super smart guy, really capable, but he doesn't know the industry, so you might just need to tell him right. what, what's the up. Incidence rate. Yeah, means. exactly, right? <laughs> and then as they get more comfortable, then you're coaching, and when they're super on their independent, you just leave them alone, and when they need your help, they'll come ask you for it. And I, I don't think many managers apply that. Most managers have a style. Yeah. They're always directive or always leaving people
0: alone or always coaching, and I think you have to be more nuanced than that. I would add a layer of nuance, because I agree with the situational each person macro has a different way that motivates them intrinsically. True, true. And as much as we talk about extrinsic motivation, like in this job market, you can go get paid a lot of money to work pretty much anywhere and so, if you have the skills. And so like having, and I find that to be quite hard in a leadership role because in one-to-one you can understand somebody's nuances, but if you're addressing a whole group,
2: yeah. you, can't, you, yeah, can't, yeah. you can't be like six can't different speeds right. at the
0: same time. And so um, it, it's quite difficult. But yeah. I, I agree with the situational. Like, you know, we had some. I had a situation the other day where somebody made a mistake, I didn't need to rub their face in it, they knew, right? And so it was more of like, oh, what did we learn? It's, just, it's yeah. different, even though that individual happens to be somebody who responds better to more, uh, I would say, old school management. They like to be pushed. That's yeah. like a thing for them, you know? Um,
2: you know what's uh, funny about that? We were talking about that on the walk that if you ask somebody in a blind survey, 100 managers, 80% of them would say in all reality, if they could have the same salary and same job, they'd rather not manage people, because it's hard, and it requires super hard. self-awareness, communication skills, having messy conversations, getting deep, and most people don't have the ability, experience, or the desire to do that, and I love managing, leading, coaching, all of that, because I think you know the whole human aspect of it is interesting, yeah. and seeing people flourish, and helping people and Helping successful. them do their best, right? Yeah, it's, I think it's super fun. But it's hard.
0: It's super hard, and what I have a huge problem with this topic because societally we tell people they have to linearly become.
1: Like mm-hmm. I'll use sales as an example. Yeah. You have
0: to be a sales development rep, and then an account executive, and then yeah. an account director, and then VP of sales. What happens if you hate managing people? Yeah. Like right. So, so one of the challenges I think for career career development is more of a talent problem than probably our problem. But I don't think we can have linear career development. Like I think it's it's incumbent upon the organization mm-hmm. to allow people almost like yeah. a winding road of what's best for you. Because to your point, people management is not for everybody. Yeah, And there's some people in people management roles. Uh, everybody in the crowd who's here, raise your hand if you have a people manager that should have never been a people manager in your life. <laughs> like, See what yeah, I mean? Everyone. So there's a lot of people who, uh, they, they got promoted, uh, there's yeah, a quote, get promoted, uh, promoted a due to incompetence. <laughs> yeah, you're good at, the, at <laughs> the doing job, so now you must be able to lead people to do great yeah, things. Totally. Um, I have a few examples of people who, they got into that, that place, and I'm like, hey, do you ever realize you complain about your team a lot? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, maybe you should be an individual contributor, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah,
2: Mars copped uh, onto that several years ago, and they created two tracks a technical track and a people leader track, so that people could clearly see that they can. Grow and develop and make more money and have more seniority without necessarily having a people lead. So it's, it becomes love an that. intentional choice versus a default. You will meet lead people.
0: And did it, did it destigmatize the? I'm not yeah. a manager, so is therefore it, I'm not as a yeah exactly yeah. Oh, I love I to mean, hear that. Yeah, that was
2: super smart.
0: Yeah, because like so there's like making and managing right. So I came up as a player and I had to unlearn a lot of behavior to be a manager because mm-hmm. your natural instinct when you're Sure. Doing is to put the ball, it. I hate to use a sports metaphor, particularly with you because you don't like sports, but your natural instinct is to put the ball in the hoop, but that's not your job yeah. uh, when you're leading people, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. So it's,
2: and that's where a lot of people get their energy, putting yeah. the ball in the hoop.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so you, let's stay on this thread. We're both senior leaders. We're both learning, but sometimes we have to be assertive. How do you strike that balance in your day-to-day of when to, we're going right versus mm-hmm. sort of when to sit back and let the teams make the call? Yeah.
2: Well, I had a mentor once say to me that our job is to be really clear on what success looks like and what the an outcome and using like the analogy of a road trip. I'm agreeing with you that you're going to be in New York by Tuesday. I'm going to let you figure out how you want to get there. I might check in with you like where are you? It's to, you know, it's Monday. How close are you? And if it seems like you're going off path, I'm going to be assertive and tell you you're going the wrong way. You need to get back on mm-hmm. track. But as long as you're making tracks and you're hitting your milestones and I just need to let you alone because my way might not be your way so I try not to be assertive unless people are going off track um, and or if not feeling heard but otherwise I'd much rather just agree on outcomes and let people find their own path
0: there same yeah I I would I would say the same I mean like agreeing to the outcomes or the what and then getting out of the way for the how is usually the move unless somebody needs help yeah sometimes the team needs an intervention or they're so close to the problem that they need some help but um, you ever read the book multipliers by yeah. Liz Wiseman Mm-mm. great leadership book and she talks about getting she did a lot of research among managers where people left the manager and would like blindly go work for them again
2: Interesting. and, and
0: it wasn't whether they liked them the most or they like to drink beer with them it was did they get did they push me to do things I didn't know I yeah
2: could
0: do? and a lot of what she talks about is if and I, if any of my colleagues at listening they'll remember this phrase who owns the pen? So, if, as a manager, if you take over, well, then the team goes, "Oh, they've got it, right?" Like, "I don't need to." And so that you, you sort of cripple their ownership of a problem, which um, is like a good it. thing. And, and yeah. sh- that's another thing: if you go from player to coach, your instinct will be, "Oh, I'm chill now," but we missed a number, or that innovation failed, yeah. so now I got to scramble, right? And so yeah. it's, it's like, ooh, you know. But
2: um, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but fighting that balance of when to assert or
0: insert myself—I'd say it's
2: still always a
0: work in progress. I think so, too. I was talking to Nick about this earlier. Nick Umana from Mars. Shout out to Nick. Um, about the future leaders being creative and curious. And I like really agree with that. But if I think of my own progression, it paid to be assertive and have all the answers. <laughs> and so I'm trying to encourage. Like I, I love nothing better than when somebody says, I actually don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. But don't you feel like societally yeah. that's a bit taboo to not have the answer? Although you, you and I would be very comfortable saying, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about.
2: Uh, I don't know. I feel like when you're more junior, you feel like an expectation to be confident, assertive, and have the answer. When you're more senior, it's okay to say, I don't know.
0: But why is that?
2: Well, I think the more senior, the more broader your remit is, and therefore you can't possibly know the answers to all the things. Because you're not an expert on one thing. You are having broad perspective over lots of things. So I think it's more acceptable to be like, I don't know, but i got somebody on my team that would know. That's a, Whereas when you're that's more good. junior, you are expected to know the thing that you're technically the expert in
0: You're a functional area. Yeah,
2: whether it's a category, a functional area, topic. But my
0: only pro- I think that's the truth. My only problem with it is then how do they learn? Like how, I mean, obviously, yeah, you can Google anything it, today. Yeah, but I agree. If you feel like the only way to become a director or get to it's the next step is to know shit, I totally agree. then you're not curious. And yeah. like, so it's, it's, I had this realization recently. It was only when I got to the kind of job I'm in where I'm like extremely comfortable being like, I don't have a clue. But I probably wouldn't have been that comfortable nine, 10 years yeah. ago, which is strange. you know. But and
2: I do think it's a problem, especially in our industry, at least on the corporate side, where insights people feel like they can't talk up in a meeting unless they are for sure know the answer and or it's grounded in point. data. Like they're not allowed to just have a point of view as a person. So I think it's also okay to be like, you know what, I don't know the answer, but here's just my personal thought on the topic.
0: And that's all right too. Well, it's, it's particularly interesting with an insights person, because I, I, my hypothesis is that they're limited to the data in that market research project, but there's hundreds of insights people in this room. They all know the customers that yeah. they work for. I mean, I've had six meetings today. Everybody knows their customer and their problems right. intimately, True. but I wonder if that's just like, you know, that's a confidence issue, like, because you should, it's not just about one data point anymore, right? Like, if you think about what we yeah, ask insights I people agree. to do, it's... What'd you learn in the market? What's the foresight people telling you? What's the trends? Yeah. And your job is to Connect take all nuts. that shit yeah. and say, you know what? I think we can make moves here and, and win-win, right? Yeah. But you're right. Maybe we're limited to the executive summary too much. <laughs> exactly. Oh, boy. Oh, all right. boy. Let's stay on insights and then I want to come back to leadership. Michelle and I almost didn't want to ask this question because it's, um, <laughs> well, everybody asks this question. Crystal ball, what yeah, needs exactly. to happen in this industry in the next couple of years? What are the key things that have got your attention? I
2: know, and when we were laughing about it, we were like, one,
0: everybody always talks about this, yep. and two, how can we possibly know? However. Because we don't know. <laughs> but we, have we don't know. Ed- Actually, to take a, a page from your last piece of advice, we don't know, but we can take know. an educated guess based yeah, on our perspective.
2: Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this idea that we're going to go from generalist to specialist, that the world is fragmenting, now there's like millions of data sources in tech, and human insights and foresight that what I see happening is we're going from a group of people who are expected to do everything to specialists who are really good at one thing but need to connect the dots across the teams and the learnings and the insights. Uh, That's one. And then the other thing is I always say we got to go from feeling like we have to have the answer to being the orchestrator of it because what we're uniquely great at is being curious, but we don't always have to have the answer and do the work. And one thing that I know you share with me is that concept of Hey, for non-value-add technical stuff, let's just let the marketers do that. Why do we have to be so precious about running all the research? Is that the best use of my time, is running a naming research? Probably not.
0: Nope. I, so obviously I'm passionate about this. Um, we need to stop pretending that we need to touch everything for it to be credible. There's 500 pieces of software in this room, 90% of them are legitimate at least, and they're credible and they have good data. And So like, is tech scary? shouldn't be what you're thinking about in 2022. Great. I remember when we started Zappy, everybody's terrified of software. It can't be real, all this sort of, um, get over it, right? Yeah. But to your point, if you're, in the, if you're mired in the project, you're never gonna connect dots and think about where the world's going and explore new horizons. And then when you, when you meet with the CMO and say, hey, yeah. Sally, we missed here, but we should have done this. How do you know? Well, based on this, this, and this, I have this opinion. Uh, but we do, we do need to get out of that mindset so that tension I was bringing up earlier, it, I think we need to bring in people who understand how to connect data. So I'm not somebody who's naturally a data person. You wouldn't want me writing SQL. You wouldn't even really want me doing a pivot table. But if you put a bunch of information in front of me, I have an ability to look at it and say, oh, that's maybe right here. Yeah. And so I'm of the view those are two different roles. And so we, if we want to be customer centric, I think we need to invest in both. Agreed. And so this is a call out to the centers of excellences of the world. <laughs> Your job is to build capabilities that catch the businesses in stride, not sit on an ivory tower and then roll out capabilities. I'm not speaking for all centers of excellence. There's some wonderful centers of excellence, but you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I agree. Um,
0: and so I think when you were at Mars, you all did this really well, right? Like, Let's bring people on the journey and then roll it out versus, hey, here, now you have to use it. And yeah. the reality is nobody's going been doing it anyway. Yes. Um, but I also think like, with marketers, it is a behavior change with them. Uh, I just went for a long walk with somebody. You can do all the insights transformation you want, but if marketing's going to air tomorrow and they've never once had an insight,
2: yeah. that,
0: that's still a problem. So just cause you can get the, it's good quickly. Doesn't mean you're grounded in an insight in a human truth. Yeah. And So I, I actually think this industry's done enough with tech to probably last us a few years. We got to work on some of the people in process stuff. Um, I also think, um, marrying first-party data with primary research is a really untapped opportunity. But you and I were talking about this on the phone the other night. We still talk about sample. And you uh, don't care about sample. No. You, right? So, t- t- Be provocative. Tell me why. Unfiltered Michelle Gansley.
2: Well, so a big topic in the industry amongst suppliers is quality sample and yep. are these real people and the amount of cheating going on. But when you try to talk to a brand about that, honestly, we don't... Not that we don't care, of course we don't want to have bad quality sample, but we don't want to, don't make it our problem is how I think I'm speaking to my peers, that we're paying you to figure that out, we're right. paying you to get a sample, and the baseline assumption is it's going to be quality sample. And so if it's an industry problem, I mean, our my feeling is that suppliers need to figure that out, right? And if that's going to end up costing more money, then engage me in the conversation so I can understand why and the trade-offs and the benefits and all that. But I don't want to engage in conversations about sample quality or sample at all you
0: you you expect the flower to be fresh yeah right and so i think you to give me flowers not seeds yeah right exactly so I, i think it's important if i have uh members of the data collection community listening to understand that it's not that they're not an important part of the supply chain it's just it's table stakes yeah right so but first party data is useful. If you're in a panel taking surveys and I know how many times you went to McDonald's and where your credit card is yeah, and where you shop, sure. I could be a lot more productive with my very limited time I have your attention. But we're not yet talking about that. No, um, I agree. And like your business, as with, particularly with a lot of the stuff you're doing with mobile app, like there's so much opportunity to start to bring that together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am going to SampleCon in three weeks and we're not talking about that yet. So I would like to start to see yeah, that happen. Okay. Um, the, the other thing is, I think we need to start recruiting outside of this pond. I mean, we were at the CEO summit in Miami. Everybody's skin was white, right? Everybody looks the same. It's like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna step change with that. So to your point, positive side, we're talking about it. So that, yeah. that room in 20 years will be different. I think we've got to bring that along sooner. And it's not just um, demographic diversity, but like you don't need to be a classically diversity. trained r- researcher to be successful yeah. in this industry. Um, because uh, the software teaches you a lot, so
2: even if we want other people like we don't make it very sexy or attractive to right? come into our industry, so you know why would a journalist want to come and work in the insights industry for example
0: and and so I have a customer who's a ju- former journalist and she's like the best insights person yeah I know I've she's super curious she's asked why 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 but she wouldn't she wouldn't probably even identify as an insights person still yeah, so what do you think it is like so that's the headline. We don't do a good job of marketing ourselves. Agreed. Everybody mm. here will probably agree. Why? Like, what? Are, what do are you? Where do you think we alienate people that we shouldn't be? Uh,
2: I don't. I think it's the same thing that we are not good internally about tooting our own horn internally in our own companies too. I think it's a similar thing that we like to be. I don't know, backseat supporting actors. We don't like to make be in the center of spotlight. Mm-hmm. So I think it's maybe it's a. I don't know. I'm, I'm riffing, but maybe it's a like a self-fulfilling prophecy that people currently today in the insights world are more like humble. They like to service oriented. They don't like to be in the limelight. And therefore we don't think a lot about how do we attract other people outside of our industry. Yeah, it's true. We, it's like that idea of
0: culture bring, you know, you likeness brings likeness. And so we yes. bring more of ourselves in. And ne- and networks have that way of repeating yeah, that. Don't right, they, right. Exactly. Like it, you know, I mean the amount of times somebody who we do business with goes to another company and then they bring their friends and then they... Yeah, a, totally. It's, um, I've realized that networking is...
2: Yeah, you got to intentionally network in other pools. Yeah,
0: you, you really do. So, I mean, I, I think we both have a great friendship with Steph Gantz. Not an insights guy. Has, I think, the second or third largest insights team on the planet. That's been interesting to watch how he views the insights problem. Mm-hmm. But it also validates this conversation. Because he's not grounded in yesterday,
2: yeah. he's able to be really quite
0: pragmatic of the job that needs to get done. Um, so, yeah, I think we should just do more recruiting yeah. and listening, right? Like You talked about mentors earlier.
2: Steph is one of my mentors. Oh, and one of the reasons is because he's so great at how do you elevate the function and how do you talk about the problem he solved and experiment and think differently about
0: how we make an impact. And yeah. you know, he's great at communicating it as well. Final two questions, and you can ask them back to me if you want. First question, your philosophy on leadership, you, you dabbled a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. but say a bit more. What is your like? michelle's leadership principles are
2: yeah a oh, good one. Ooh. um i think for me you know like the whole being a leader is helping other people to feel successful and that they've made a difference in their in the world and but not just professionally but personally you know i mm-hmm. think we were talking before about how we act like there's like your work person and your outside of work person but that's not true we're holistic humans inside and outside of work Yep. So for me, leadership is think not thinking about those as two separate things, but looking at people as a holistic human and helping them to be their most realized self inside and outside of work, um, and then also is helping to create clarity, whether it's what people want to hear or not. Helping to create clarity on where we should be going, uh, what does that mean, what we should be doing, what we should stop be doing, helping to break, res- helping to provide resources or break barriers, is my opinion
0: what a leader should do clarity is so important yeah right? even if they don't agree bringing it, them on the journey or if it's hurtful to them at the time yeah you know it's funny i've i've seen this time and time again and, and a lot of people listening are going to be on some change management journey saying to somebody this is what i think we're going to do and actually listening to their advice even if you disagree with it they buy in mm-hmm. it's like a weird human because it's yeah. because someone's been heard their slow nose are less relevant Not less relevant, but less prevalent. Like, they're just not there as much because, like, okay, I've been heard, I had a voice in this process, and I think a lot of leaders skip that step. So, to your point, like, what's our direction? What are we trying to do? And consistently repeating that. But when I say bring people on the journey, that's what I mean, like, this is what we're doing. Does everybody agree? Does anybody wanna give any advice? Are we missing something? Yeah. And like having multiple checkpoints. I tried this thing this year where I presented our annual strategy personally to every single team in the company. Wow. And it was way better than like, you know the token like executive town hall where there's every employee in the company yeah. and nobody asks a freaking question. Yeah. It was interesting because the most introverted teams in our company asked the most questions.
2: Wow. Which was cool. Yeah, and, was and smart. And it, it's
0: not like it was a checkbox exercise. They had good shit to say, which then shaped what we actually did. Um, yeah, that's great. That's like an underutilized thing is listening sessions with small groups of people. Listening is important. Yeah. It's another reason why some people don't make the shift between player and coach because you have to use your ears more than your mouth. And that's, that's hard. Right? Well, I like to talk. like to talk. Um, the other thing I'm passionate about, because I agree, we have obviously very similar leadership philosophies. I, I think people can be kind and be successful, and can be themselves and be successful. Mm. I have had four people today make fun of me because I'm wearing a t shirt. I give zero F's about that. Yeah. I, and I believe as a leader, your job is to hold the space to be. Whatever your culture is, if you want to be unapologetically yourself or whatever, Mm -hmm. if you're not doing that, how are you going to expect everybody else to act that? That could be whatever your values are, uh, but holding the space is something I think is one of the biggest jobs, because you get a lot of pressure. I get a lot of pressure. If you let everybody feel that, well, then they're going to, it just, it goes everywhere, right? Yeah.
2: Well, it's funny, because I know you you are uniquely you, and I am uniquely me, and I get a lot of polarizing feedback about that, and I'm sure you do, too. Oh, yeah, for sure you're so authentic in a good way and, oh, you're too authentic. Like so in a, imagine that, like too you don't authentic? Fit the, you don't fit the mold or you're making me uncomfortable because, you know, you're not following in the robotic culture yeah. or whatever. But I agree. Like, I think it's something it's special and it's a distinctive asset of ours that we are who we are and you don't ever have to wonder
0: if, if I'm being honest or if I'm being real. And same with you. What you see, And I I, I I have a lot of empathy for people. Like, so I've brought in several people who have worked in, like, I would say very... Um, uh diminishing cultures and they want it but it's hard to take that armor off if you've mm. been getting beat up your whole career it's hard to be like okay well what does unapologetically mean because i've always had to have this mask on at work yeah. and then i and it, it's really quite interesting like you have to like really help people find their way and because i'm of the view everybody's got a superpower not just uh, you. i totally agree and so often we stay in jobs that aren't good for us because the company's purpose isn't aligned or whatever. And so I would say out of 90% of the people who mm-hmm. we've ended terms with, it's been on to, it's ended with a thank you because they've gone to done something that's more aligned to whatever their magic is. Yeah. Everybody's got something that they're special at. So uh, what, what's your superpower? Um, I, can, I can get on most people's level and I can process a lot of information quickly. What about you?
2: Mm. I always say that it's connecting people, dots and resources, People, dots, and resources.
0: I'm glad that you said people first, because if you said resources and meant people, I was going to give it That would suck. <laughs> resources uh, are not people. People have heartbeats. It's kind yeah. of a thing. Um, yeah, those are. I think those are mine. I don't know. Maybe people have other things they want to I mean, say. Dad uh, jokes also. I have a lot of dad jokes. A lot of and, dad jokes. You know, I'm really trying to put the dad bod on the map. It used to be a thing, and then it, like tie-dye shirts are back, but dad bod's not. And like, I'm really trying to embrace that. Um, so yeah, I'm going to bring Hell that no. back. So I have one more question for you. I ask every single guest this question, and you'll be alarmed that I get basically the same answer every time. Uh Oh! What are the traits you look for if you're building an insights team? Attributes and traits that you're looking for. Not experience. We already talked about MBAs and all that Mm, stuff. What are some of the attributes you're looking for? This wasn't on the script. Well, I can tell you
2: one that I'm sure everyone says is curiosity, Yep. but that is a unique thing about our function. Um, But the other one that I look for is command skills.
0: So what does that mean?
2: Uh, somebody who isn't afraid to get up in front of a senior leader and tell them what they think. Got it. Because that's real important because oftentimes as insights people, we're talking to people much more senior than us. Yep. Um, and then the third is, is someone who wants to grow and develop. So I'll often ask a question like, what's on your development plan or what do you do to develop yourself? Uh, and you'd be surprised how few people can answer that question.
0: Yeah, that's interesting to me. Where's my, where's my next step in my career? What do you want it to be? I don't know. Yeah, that's troubling. Yeah. So my four: curious, just self-explanatory. Growth-minded. What can I do today to, yeah, that, that makes me good. better than I was yesterday? Yeah, similar
2: to adaptable
0: yeah. because change is a constant. Good one. And a lot of people don't like change, but it's yeah, here to stay. It. You got to embrace it. And the, the the next one's linked to adaptability, being comfortable with ambiguity. Yeah, because similar. you have to. It is similar. Yeah. But you have to be able to take a messy ball of yarn and say, okay, I got to figure this I'll out. I'll figure
2: it out, yeah. Because,
0: you know, like all, and this is why I like, we talk a lot about modern culture because I think we've taken the principles from assembly line manufacturing work into knowledge work. And they're com- it's completely different. Um, so you, mm. you, you don't have the answers because our market, this market, Consumer Insights, has fundamentally changed in the last five years. Maybe we would have guessed this if we had this yeah. episode, but like, you... who
2: knows? It made me think another question I like to ask is like, how do you learn? How do you grow, develop, and learn the industry? Like, and I'm looking for, they saying, I go to conferences, I read, watch podcasts, I read newsletters or whatever, but that's another one. It's like curiosity, of course, about the category, but also curious about the industry and yeah. where it's going.
0: So I'm going to make a parting statement on what you just said, and then maybe we should go have a cold beer. Yes. We're in Texas. We'll have a Shiner Bark or a <laughs> Lone you know, the The Lone Star beers tagline. The, uh, the national beer of Texas. Is that not the most Texas thing you've I ever heard? I love it, heard? yeah. I love, love it. it. I love Texas. Um, <laughs> so I've lost my train of thought with my Texas joke. Um, but, oh, grow, the growth stuff. Where do you go to learn? If you are listening to this and you go, I don't, you're in the wrong job. Well, because if you're passionate about what you're doing, then you will naturally learn and read stuff. It's it's a pretty sure thing that you're not interested in. And we talked about work life harmonization. Mm-hmm. I don't really believe in balance because you work a lot and you live a lot, and so
2: mm-hmm. uh, I'm excited
0: about what I do, and that's why I sound excited, and that's why you <laughs> read. And, you know, it's but people people who don't read I, I, or not it's not reading. It's people who aren't curious about getting better probably just haven't found their thing yet. Uh, yeah, you
2: agree? Uh, totally agree. And when people say I'm too busy to do that, that's also a warning sign. That they're probably not in the right place or they're not prioritizing well yeah you should always have time for passions
0: you should and so we i wish we had more time we'll we'll be a minute late because whatever it is what it is um normally (laughs) my podcasts are an hour long so we'll have to do another one
2: i just don't understand why nobody has a beer in their hand already yeah audience where the beer's
0: at so time management people on balance i would say suck at time management. yeah (laughs) like it's like a pretty human truth and Like, so let's, bonus question, what are some of your hacks to manage your very demanding schedule?
2: (laughs) Number one. Or do you suck at time management? The number one thing, how many people here, oh, I bet no one's going to admit to it, but I'm sure most people have done this in their career, if not today. They get invited to a meeting, so they show up to it because they were invited to it without questioning why am I being invited, what's my value, and is this the best use of my hour? Be honest, right? Yeah. So I've become hyper diligent about reviewing my calendar every week and not going to any meeting where I'm not clear that I can create value in that meeting. Love that. So I'm often getting invited to meetings and canceling out of them.
0: It's a CC culture, right? Like, oh, I gotta have her there. So my rule on that topic is, if I'm not existential to the success of the meeting, I'm not going. Exactly. So you shed four or five meetings a day if you're that ruthless. So that's, let's say three hours a time. What else?
2: Um, Well, I want to sidebar and tell you something. You know Michelle Hayward from Blue Dog? Yep. She always talks about that uh, working in a company is, is a relationship contract that I am paying you a sum of money and you are therefore agreeing to do something back for me. And people have forgotten that. Like people just feel like I have a job and I expect to get a salary and I expect to get raises over time. But actually, and she will often be like, well, what are you doing for that? What, right. If I give you a raise, what, you, what more value are you gonna create for me? And I love that, that concept. And in that same vein of time management, shouldn't we always be asking ourselves like a consultant is this the best use of company dollars what i'm doing right yep, now right this second yeah
0: yeah and it's it's hard because it, there's so many um i forget who told me this this morning but there's 50 ideas a quarter that could be companies in and of themselves so yeah you're going to do them yeah so ruthless prioritization is not a fun task but so what i do is once a quarter i write down what am i driving what am i helping with
2: That's nice.
0: and then i have a group of people who will weigh in on that. Yeah, nice. And then I give it, so I have the benefit of having an admin and she will manage my calendar to that. And then once a week, I'm like to the meeting thing. But I think with time, the more you can manage it in macro, the easier it is on a Tuesday. Yeah. So like I'll be as anal to say like, how many hours am I going to spend in one-on-ones and with whom this quarter? And then we'll sit down and review like, hey, you you missed the last two one-on-ones with so-and-so. Is that really creating value? Um, Because time is, time is, a very precious asset and like I, so I will say this give some credibility to I think what I'm saying I don't work past 5 30 at night good for you I don't I, and i you know there's a lot of like glamour yeah. and hustle culture I'd rather eat dinner with my kids yeah <laughs> like, you know but I think I don't know if you found this being more ruthless means you can be more effective because you're not jumping from 50,000 things you're like no I'm working on these five I'm gonna nail these things <laughs> Michelle thank you thank you everybody who sat here with headphones you're lovely I didn't get to look at you as much, but thank you. Yeah, thanks for staying up. Um, this was an in. interesting social experiment yeah. in podcasting. Um, shall we have a beer? Yeah. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye, Erin. <laughs> so, Patricia, I, ha- I have on good authority that this was the hardest interview for you to codify because, uh, and we weren't even, we actually weren't drinking wine, as I said in the preamble, but we were riffing. So, um, sorry for that. You had two, was,
1: two people who a,
0: with a little ADD going on, just bouncing around the houses.
1: The two of you are a pleasure to listen to without taking notes. I mean, I've listened to you guys. I've been in meetings with you. It was a pleasure listening to the interview, but oof, this one was a tough one. I will not lie. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. 10 very important questions that you guys asked each other. And then a little nugget that I thought was too good to let go. Ready? i'm ready what are your passions now there's a loaded question what's got your attention Two adhd people asking each other what their attention where their attention is so learning from people and cultures which includes business and music i thought that was great because music says so much about a culture balancing the essence of company culture while at the same time bringing in new and different muscles got to keep the water fresh right she's been rethinking as well as you work requirements, as in what it needs to, to to work in insights industry. You guys could touch back on that now later, so I'm not going to go into it in very much detail, but you talk about, you know, changing from 20 years experience in an MBA at a certain university versus the capacity to learn and grow so you can have fresh thinking and listen to it. Now, I will have to admit that I'm biased, very positively biased on this because I've been saying since I was a manager many, many, many years ago, but I didn't care how much insights they knew. I cared who they were as a person. And if they had remnants of the four-year-old that wanted to know why the moon doesn't fall down and why boats don't sink and why planes fly, I still want that in my research people. And you guys touched upon that. So I, it touched a cord, a, a nerve deep with me. The next question, where do you go to get inspired? Like so many places. So you were both able to, whew, Shrink it down and I put it into an order that I thought was was pretty important because you guys started with lateral thinking. Maybe you didn't start. Maybe I made you start. But lateral thinking, lurking, learning from other businesses, learning. You talked about SAS. You talked about technology. But that led you both into think into how other people solve problems. And that led you both into talking about adjacent insights, you know, things to elevate your game, to synthesize stories, to tell a story, to figure out how to drive tech. All those things are related because One thing is looking outside your world. The other thing is looking at all your entire world, not just the report that you're going to give to your customer. Because there are so many things behind the scenes, like in this podcast, like anything in the world that goes into getting that report to where it needs to go. Then you talked about, things that were pretty expected, conferences, books, podcasts, right? In And and Kelsey will help us. We'll link all of the books that you guys referred to. You spoke to Upstream by Dan Heath. You talked about Future Podcast, Future Imagined by Joe Lepore. You talked about the NPR Pop Culture Happy Hour, which I love. And then you brought up something. I think it was you, pre-mortems. I think that's a zappy. Thing. Absolutely. I learned about pre-mortems and Zappy, and I've used them on everything since. I used to call it warm gaming, but you guys call them pre-mortems, right? It's thinking of every single thing that could go wrong before you even start. Now, that might have a, like a negative tinge to it, but hey, man, I'd rather do it there than in course, right? And then you, of course, you talking to strangers. You love talking to strangers. There's so much stranger talk. So, those four you guys both go to get inspired. Now, you brought up to Michelle coaching and mentorship, and then you started also joining in the conversation. You asked about where's the difference and what, you know, how they compare. She was really clear. Coaches are generalists, you know, to help you with whatever problems are coming your way. And you brought in that it's more aligned to being a business therapist, which I love, right? It's the person that you speak to with absolutely no judgment, only a way to get better. But it's very clear. You got to do the work. You, the, the coach will keep you accountable, but you got to do your homework. You got to actually dig deep and do your thing because if not, you're not going to improve now mentors. And usually you pay them now mentors are for a specific topic or a skill set. And you should have a mentor when you're really clear what you need to fix. Kind of like when you go to a, a language professor or a piano teacher, when you want to learn to, to play the piano. Right. And those are usually free and they can help you support that. And when you're finished, you either move on to another topic or you part ways and remain friends. Now, management. Managers, you didn't ask about managers, but managers bled into this because you both spoke about the job of a manager being more of a coach because, and I love this, you shouldn't boss around really smart people because that cuts their wings off. You need to know how to manage them, how to be a coach sometimes, how to be a mentor sometimes, which is a very interesting balance. And that led you perfectly into number four. And this one was this one was Michelle's 10 leadership principles because you were talking about coaching and mentoring and managers. And you asked her, how do you handle managing people in that large organization? You asked her, what's your philosophy on leadership? Which led to her 10 leadership principles. Situational leadership, different levels of coaching, different strokes with different folks, different days, different ways, right? It's a nuanced way to handle things. You're not always on or off. Right. And if an error is made, you're not going to ship, pardon me, not going to rub it in their face. I remember the jar. I remember the jar, right? (laughs) The money jar for the bad words. You got to find the learning in the error. Number two, have a super deep awareness of yourself before you can work on your communications because you can't communicate if you don't know who you are, because many of the conversations, if not most, are messy and deep. Now, number th- you can't get lost in that. Number three, you both concurred on growth paths. You talked about growth mindset. You She talked about growth paths. She asks people what they do, but allowing people to create their own growth path, not a copy paste. Number four seems like a really, really strong one for me, helping others. Maybe it's because I'm service oriented, but help others feel that they're making a difference in the world, both professionally and personally, which led to number five, which is treat people as holistic beings, not One half or the other half, not Jekyll and Hyde, not the work self and the home self. Help them be their most realized selves in general, right? Because you can't really separate it without hurting yourself along the way. Now, changing gears, creating clarity. That's the leader's job. Create clarity on the direction, purpose, and objectives, but also what they shouldn't be doing. But that also leads to a manager having to break down barriers and providing resources so that those you know those objectives and purposes can be met because sometimes they can't. The leader can because they see the forest and the trees, but the team not doesn't always have the way to do it. In order to do that, you have to do number eight, which is listen to them. You have to listen when they speak, right? Not only for you to be able to know what they need, but also so you get buy-in. You both spoke about buy-in, and you need really smart people to have in buy-in so they feel that their voice was listened to and is part of the solution right? That creates a team culture. And all of you, especially the leader, which is number nine, I can do the fingers. There it is. Number nine has to represent the team culture so that it's, it's similar. It's stable. Everybody knows who they are and where they are. Now this leads to number 10, which is one of the hardest. And you wouldn't be, you wouldn't expect it to be, be yourself unapologetically. You said this, Ryan. Now, this is really hard. You have to be yourself within the team culture, but you have to be yourself because if you're not authentic, why would they follow you, right? And you spoke to something that hit me in the heart because you know I'm a career corporate corporate citizen, right? And you helped me so much with this. Help others remove their armor. Help yes. others remove the masks, take off the masks they had to wear because it was, you had to wear a certain type of earring, a certain color of clothes. Your, your hair had to be in a certain way. You helped me. And it was weird because I knew who I was outside of work. It's hard finding your way when you've never You've never been allowed to. So that really touched me, which is probably why I left it last. So thank you for that. A little you're aside. Very
0: welcome. Drop the armor, everybody. Just be yourself.
1: Yeah, it's it takes too much effort to put the armor on every morning. Mm-hmm. Now, number five question, how do you strike a balance in your day to day, right? When you're, you know, versus doing and letting your teams do right now, being really clear on what success looks like being really clear on what the outcome. So you had to do this by this. You do that and you walk away. You lift your hands up. You say, this is what we want. Make sure everybody understands, listen to their questions, answer their questions, get their buy-in, but let them be. Let the team and the or the person figure out. It's really important to know when to help, when to intervene and when to walk away. Now, in order to do that, you have to build capabilities with your team so that they have the ways they have the tools, they have the toolbox to do it, right? And the way to do that is to bring people on the journey and then let it roll. Bring them on your journey, show them what you know, let them use the tools however they need to use them, but show them the tools, right? And then understand, this is the last one about the balance, understand that you don't have to know the answers. You don't, you don't have to know all the answers. Now, you asked her, why is that? Why do you think that is that we finally figure out that we don't have to know the answers when we're senior? And she answered with such with only Michelle Gansley wisdom, right? right. She goes, the more senior, the broader your remit is. Now, number six, I told you I t- about this. What are some of your hacks? You both had the same one in different ways, which I thought was really cool. Both of you were talking about Ruthless prioritization. She calls it hyper vigilance, so hyper diligence, reviewing her calendar and not going to meetings where she's not clear about the value. And you call it ruthless prioritization, and you slash and burn, and you and you make Kate and, Kate, and Katie your 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 accomplice and your your guard dog on your calendar. And <laughs> I loved all of that. And you also bring in the whole rest of your team, saying, "Okay, this is what I'm working on. And everybody agree? Are we all good on this? Am I missing anything?" So you bring people in. She she. she she explains to people why she can't be in every meeting. Now, you both started riffing in number seven about what happens next in this industry. Now, some of them were new for me. Some of them were were expected. The first one, right, uh, on your educated guess, on your crystal ball, which neither of you have, right, is we're going to go from generalists to specialists. It's a pendulum swing. The world is fragmenting, so we have to figure out what's best, right? People are expected to go from doing everything to doing what they're really good at. You still need to connect the dots. Now. Letting go of your Legos, sharing your Legos, sharing your toys. You guys talked about non-value tactical things and letting others do those, right? You spoke about marketing, but it doesn't have to only be marketing. It could be anybody, right? It could be early in career. It could be different things. It doesn't matter. But understanding where we have to prioritize our time, right? In order for this to happen, if it's going to be the marketers, they have to have a behavior change, both at the beginning at the end. One, to help do the work but two, to understand about the importance of using and leveraging human truths in everything they do. They can't launch their ad tomorrow and expect you to test today and have anything good. So they have to change the way, not only they think and work, but also how senior management expects from them, what they expect from them, right? You've spoken of this before, and I'm looking forward to learning more when you go to your, what is it, SampleCom? Op- you're going to a thing that you're, it's coming up. I went last
0: and- week, sample con, great conference, wonderful conference. <laughs>
1: is that the one about primary data
0: yep about respondents um, Exactly. I a i'm looking really
1: i'm so looking forward to hearing more from you on that because you talked about leveraging untapped opportunity and marriage between primary data first party data and primary research so that's part of the future and i'm looking forward to hearing about that and you both spoke about recruiting outside of the pond right now you asked her straight up because this was before you attended the sample con you said tell me again in your most honest, unfiltered self, Michelle, why you don't care about sample. And she was really in your face. And she said in her own nice way, I don't care about sample because it's not my problem. I just want high quality sample. Somebody Mm -hmm. else has to provide it for me, right? So the supplier, the vendor has to provide it for me. If they need to charge me more, they have to go off, figure it out, come back and tell me why, how, right? Trade-offs and benefits, but it's not a conversation I want to be part of. I just want to be the owner of high quality sample." I thought that was fantastic because she says quality sample is table stakes. It's a category ante. I love that. And that goes back to what we talked about earlier about getting specialized. She doesn't want to be a specialist in sample. She wants to be a specialist in insights leadership. I love it. Now you asked her a deep question. You kept doing that. Why doesn't insights do a better job at marketing art at themselves that was question number nine I mean you might as well ask her what does love mean right it's like really Brian really but you did ask her and she answered she says you know we're not good internally about tooting our own horn outside the industry or in our companies maybe we're supporting actors maybe we like to be out of the limelight and the attention and maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy I thought ah I can see myself there inside and outside. I've played with the limelight in and out, which is yep. why I'm doing a podcast. It outside of my comfort zone, but I've been playing with escaping and jumping in and escaping and jumping in just a little aside, which is not from your call. One of the ways that I progressed in life, right. In my career, I remember I got to Colgate and I remember Colgate was a very very specific culture, and I arrived, and at meetings, when they, I was always listening, right, taking notes and listening, and whenever they asked a question that I thought might be in my remit, I didn't realize that somebody somebody was watching, and they told me, I leaned forward like I wanted to listen better and I wanted to be ready and I was listening and I leaned forward and I usually answered or participated in the conversation. So the senior leadership started expecting that if she's leaning forward, she has something to say, slow down, let her speak. And I didn't even realize I was doing that. And that was my way of kind of not only asking permission but readying myself to be in the limelight, right? Now, Michelle talked about maybe we should do more varied recruiting and have other people come in from other areas. I used to teach um, improv to all my insights teams, right? So that they could learn how to improv and be more comfortable doing improv. Stephen Gantz, Steph Gantz, which you're both friends with, the Pepsi Insight number one. Um, He's, he's really, he's not an insider and he's really great at elevating the function and experimenting. And maybe we can learn from people like Steph. So these are things that we have to, we have to learn to do from people that maybe are experts at it and we're not. Number 10, you always ask this. I love it. What are the attributes or traits you look for when you're hiring or building an insights team? You both concurred on two, curiosity about consumers, about insights, about the industry, about learning, about growing. And then you both concurred on separating out growth-minded as a separate entity because it's all about the desire to grow and learn, the desire to read, the desire to find answers, the desire to push yourself farther. Then she talked about command skills, not being afraid to speak to senior leaders. And she's brought something up that was a duh when she said it, and I hadn't thought of it before. Insights people are almost always speaking to people that are two to three levels above them in the, in the hierarchy. So you have to have, you know, brass underwear sometimes, or metal underwear, steel underwear to be able to do that sometimes. Right. She talked and she took the growth minded stuff one step further. So I'm calling it out here. I'm saying self-motivation as a learner, self-motivated learning. She's like, she asks people a lot of times, what's your plan to grow? What's your plan to learn? And she, which broke my heart said that many people don't even have an answer for that. They don't have an answer to how they're going to grow themselves, what they're going to do, how they're going to learn, how they're going to, you know, where they're going to look for their next job. And you spoke of that. What is your next role? What do you want to do next? Then you added be adaptable because the wind blows and you got to go, which is why I used to teach improv. And you talked about being comfortable with ambiguity. That is so true because you never know what the results are going to bring. You never know what the next question is going to be. You got to have everything open. And that's something that's really important. Before I go into any meeting where I'm not absolutely 100% sure what the topic is going, where it's going to go, I send a command. This sounds really weird, but I do. I speak to my brain. I say, brain, open all the folders. So I walk into the meeting with my brain open. Maybe I'm psychotic. I'm not sure. But that's how it helps me to be open and being comfortable with ambiguity. just open all the toolbox and see what happens and see what gets needed. Those were the 10.
0: I like it. You like it? I like a little crazy. I got a little crazy. I've learned to embrace it. All right. You got a bonus one for me?
1: Yes. Michelle Hayward from Blue Dog. She talked about, you know, working in in companies, a relationship contract. I'd forgotten about the way she looked at things, right? They're paying you money and you're promising to deliver a job. It's not like you've got a job and you expect a result and they have to give you more. No, it's a win-win. It's a give-give. And so when you're at a job, right? You need to, yes, expect to get a salary, but you also need to give of yourself. You have to ask yourself every day, Michelle says, what are you doing for your salary? What are you doing to help grow the company? What are you doing to make yourself a more valuable asset? I love that concept. Michelle spoke of it, you spoke of it. And it's the same vein in in time management. Think about, is this the best use of my time for the company? So whoever doesn't know about Michelle Hayward, follow her, she's amazing, right? But ask yourself, what am I doing right now? And is it helping me grow and the company grow? Am I earning my keep? It tied everything together really well.
0: I dig it. Particularly, I mean, look, I think rightfully there's a lot of employee empowerment, but yeah, you bring in the heat for what what you're earning, I think is a really good question. Patricia thank you as always our next episode is with Shazia Ali our very own head of community we're going to talk about empathy and vulnerability and a bunch of other topics thank you all for listening Patricia thank you for summarizing Kelsey and everybody else behind the scenes appreciate you and to all of our listeners I hope that this episode created some value for you if you have any ideas to make it into our scratch pad for season five hit us up thanks ladies
1: bye-bye